This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sector Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination or organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Longwoods International, one of the premier research firms in the travel and tourism space in the world. Longwoods produces groundbreaking research, thought-leading insights, and excellent counsel and service to DMOs in areas such as visitor research, advertising effectiveness, image research, and their new resident sentiment study. You can learn more about this new breakthrough product and how Longwoods is tracking consumer sentiment in these days of COVID-19 at longwoods-intl.com. And now on to our show. Our guest today is Megan Risch, the founder and principal of the Chicago-based R4 Communication Strategies, a boutique strategic communications firm. Prior to launching R4, Megan spent 12 years with Choose Chicago, the Windy City's destination marketing organization, leading the communication strategy to support the mission of securing regional, national, and international business and leisure visitation for the economic benefit of the city, the community, and its membership, as well as working with local and state governments. Megan excels in crisis communications, reputation management, preparing executives with appropriate talking points, statements, and strategies, in addition to employee and stakeholder communication plans. Megan Risch, welcome to DMOU. Thanks for having me, Bill. Oh, absolutely. You know, when we first planned this episode, we were pre-COVID-19. And I remember our conversation, we were talking about the need that so many of us, maybe pre-COVID, didn't understand that you need a crisis communications plan. And you said in that conversation, because it was in my notes, it's not if, it's when. So beyond being clairvoyant, (laughs) here's our first question. Regardless if it's a global pandemic or the next attack on DMO funding, which we know is just around the corner, share with us your thoughts on how the happy face spin of most crisis communication plans has changed in today's world. As I continue to watch and read what's happening throughout the world, and I'm not like anybody else, I spend most of my days now on webinars And it's nice, it's refreshing to see so many positive moments to see how others are lifting one another up. It's inspiring and I think it's what we all need every now and then. At that same time um, that we're all seeing this and, and doing this for one another, we all see that it's really black and white. You just can't spin your way out of a global pandemic. And everyone has experienced it in some way, shape, or form. And ultimately, what it comes down to is this is a human crisis. And so at any other given time, in any other type of crisis, transparency is critical. And in this instance, the level of transparency for much of our industry is very sobering. There are layoffs, tremendous budget cuts. People's livelihood is at stake, and really none of us have any idea what the future holds. And as I'm hearing from many of my colleagues, and as I'm sure you would support, there's no roadmap for a pandemic of this type until we have that hard and empirical medical data that just can't be refuted. And I think we're getting there, but of course we want it sooner rather than later. But I think that's going to be the first real tangible element before we're back to any 
recovery. And our industry has been through many uh, crises. And it's no secret that a crisis and how an organization decides to come out of it will ultimately define their brand. So what I look to is that millions of Americans are dreaming about traveling again, and they may even be planning. So when we come out of this dormant yet temporary lifestyle, our destination organizations need to be ready to implement that comprehensive recovery plan that supports their stakeholders. And I think what everyone is agreeing to now is that now more than ever, um, the destination organizations need to be um, supporting and lifting up their local businesses and being seen as the expert for the residents in their community. But for our messaging, unlike 9-11, the recession, and other crises that have depressed travel in this country and in this world, I'm sensing that the typical crisis response isn't going to work this time. I mean, you said black and white. I mean, this time, I think that we're going to have to be abundantly honest with the consumer. And so in your thoughts, how does that change moving forward? We have to be painfully transparent, but we also have to be empathetic. Um, we have to be mindful that some people's livelihoods will never be what they were before. There are many people in this industry who may not return to this industry um, to no fault of their own. And I think we have to approach any type of messaging as to, given how restrictions are going to be lifted, think about how you would talk to your loved one, your, your wife, your mother, a grandparent, a child. What would you be comfortable in conveying to them and then approach your, your communications in that way? There just is no way around it. And let's be frank. Many of us are very hesitant to go out at this point with anything because we don't want to be called on our carpet for taking advantage of something or just being tone deaf. So it is a whole new process um, that we're all trying to, mm -hmm. to wrap our heads around. But the one thing that I, we can all agree on is that it's got to be brutally honest and it's got to be empathetic. I think we've tracked three DMOs that have gone out of business during uh, the past month. And it was fascinating to me, not that this is the reason, but the one thing they all had in common was when you go to their websites today, there's not a word about COVID-19. Almost all of us have pivoted our websites, our communications. I mean, that's what we're talking about. And I know it gets redundant and you know, it's like, oh, here's another site with a COVID message or here's another you know, PR release about we're in this together. But it was fascinating that all three of those DMOs, and they were relatively small market DMOs mm -hmm. that may not have had the resources to change their website, which, you know, shame on them, but not a word, not a yeah. word. I, you know. Yeah. And that's our new reality. We, it goes back to, to the um, don't be tone deaf for any type of business, not even, not just ours. There has to be a mention, a tie back um, to COVID. There's absolutely no way of getting around it. You know, after Katrina ravaged New Orleans, I remember that CEO Stephen Perry commented, 
at one of the uh, uh, industry events, uh, kind of recounting uh, the response. He said, there has to be a different voice for different audiences. He said that the mayor was absolutely the right voice to talk to residents, but that the mayor was the completely wrong voice to talk to the nation. How should DMOs plan for who should be the voice and what the message should be? Yeah. And I've made no secret that I wholeheartedly agree with with Steve and many of our CEOs. There's This is part of planning, um, not even when it's just a crisis, but there are certain um, stakeholders that want to hear from certain leaders. And Jack Johnson with Destinations International, no stranger to any of us, and I've had the pleasure of working with him in Chicago and now at DI, he's the expert sure. when it comes to this shared community asset. And that's what this goes back to. In our world, we know amongst ourselves that the destination organizations are really the trusted source for information for the leisure and business traveler. Only in the last few years have we had to pivot to become that essential source for the community. And so while this time is of most importance. It's not only during a crisis that we have to underscore, not only for the visitors to a destination, but the residents of that community are now just as important as those who bring their business to a community. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's making accurate and nonpartisan information available about the status of the situation in your destination. So all of these DMOs, many, those that did not shutter, had to pivot and change the messaging on their website. And it's a lot of who's open for business, curbside, takeout, support your small business when we get to the other side of this, and then providing specific state and or province information from those authorities you know, on these stay-at-home orders, when we started, what the hotel closures were. And, we, and with a couple of my clients, we pivoted from what has closed to what remains open. And since we can't be out there promoting travel to a certain destination now, we've had to be very mindful and very cautious to not uh, be seen as trying to get around the restrictions from the local authorities. So while we would typically be promoting the opening of an art exhibition or um, a lilac festival, we're no different than any, uh, any other destination organization, we've had to go virtual. Um, and it is engaging with those communities. So in the long run, it's going to help position these destination organizations as a community asset, which is what Jack has been saying for a couple of years now. And there's many phases to this recovery. And as we're putting together our recovery plans, as I'm sure everyone is working on now, we need to be innovative yet careful how we are deploying any type of campaign. And that goes back to my point earlier about being compassionate and thinking about how you would speak to a family member and craft your message in that way. But definitely it is the destination organization that should be encouraging the community to support the community. Um, it's almost as a keep your business and experience local message. Um, it's not what we're 100% accustomed to, but I think all of us in our industry would agree that 
supporting local is the right thing to do at this time. Um, and then we also have to keep in mind that our traditional stakeholders may still be putting their lives back together. Um, so it does go back to um, that compassionate and brutally honest messaging from the DMO. You know, one of my favorite crisis communications plans um, comes from, and it's interesting because, you know, those who live on the Gulf Coast of this country and, and along the Atlantic seaboard are probably more prepared to weather this storm, no pun intended, because they weather storms. They're, you know, they have to have a crisis plan for when hurricanes show up. And the Alabama Gulf Coast CVB, now called Gulf Shores and Orange Beach Tourism, I loved what they did uh, years ago, back in the days of satellite TV trucks. They're not quite as prevalent as they used to be, but but they had their members up and down the shore on watch. And they said, if you see a satellite truck, call us and tell us which way it was going. And we'll dispatch somebody to go sit out there with them so they don't find you know the crazy three-toothed guy going, I'm going to stay, <laughs> right? But bigger than that, what I thought was fascinating was, was during the oil crisis, when they had you know oil balls rolling up on the beach, they did a video series, and you can still find it online, that every single day of the crisis, they would put uh, a talking head on the beach at mile marker one, the next day two, the next day three, and they were giving absolutely pure information that was true. So on day one, she said, look, she goes, the beaches are great. The families are having a wonderful time. You can see them behind me. And the next day at mom marker two, she goes, wow, look at this mess. This is amazing. This is so bad. But we are hearing that, that mile marker seven, eight, and nine are clear. So come on down and join us. But they were being very, I mean, there was probably a third of the beach during that series of videos had been spoiled, but two thirds was clean and green, right? And so, you know, you talk to the folks down there and they say that that honesty got them an awful lot of fans and mm -hmm. and people, you know, they had a great year that year because they were being honest. Yeah, it's gut-wrenching for them to even think about doing that, but it's that balance. You have to show the good and the bad. Yeah, absolutely. So sadly, uh, as if we don't hear these conversations enough when we're in good times, we're hearing conversations that have already begun in several communities about raiding the funds that have traditionally been invested in destination marketing. You've gone through this when you were at Choose Chicago, when Illinois tourism was defunded. How do we respond to these attacks? What is the message that will resonate with our community and our corporate leaders and our governmental leaders? that this is a sensationally bad idea at this moment in time. It's as frustrating as ever. It's maddening. It's disheartening. I go back to my friend Jack and working to educate your local government about the importance of who you are and what you do and who you support. These destination organizations may need to reconsider, if they haven't already, implementing <laughs> a grassroots campaign saying and taking this unfortunate devastation and showing them where you were at the high point, how many people are employed, how much the revenue that comes in goes to support local services. And now look at what is closed um, and what has closed may not reopen. I think these people who don't understand what DMOs do for a community, if there is any time for that light switch to flip on, 
this is the time. And they must also understand that what we do is economic development. You can't have one without the other. Sadly, I'm already seeing and hearing conversations about economic development agencies saying they want to fold a destination organization under them um, because the funding model for economic development looks decidedly different than that for a destination organization. That to me is very scary. And I don't think it's a good idea, but it goes back to these small businesses, I think at this point are realizing the critical importance of their local tourism team. As I mentioned earlier, uh, before we started this conversation, I have a client who is primarily funded via state grants and the grants that they received had to be deobligated back to the state. And so for any events that that grant money was used to support, let's say for the year 2020, and fortunately, these events have not canceled, they have rescheduled for 2021, this presents a real situation that there will be no money next year. And therefore, a specific destination organization may not be able to support a client or a partner as they typically would have. And Equally as disturbing, and I've made no secret, I put this on my social media platform, these task forces that have uh, been created by the White House, there is one for hospitality. And while I appreciate that hospitality has a seat at the table, it's large corporations. Um, There is not a representative that is going to go to bat for female-owned businesses. There's no females that have a seat at the table. And it does appear that there is a representative for our meetings industry, which is so critical to many of our destinations. So it's frustrating to see how it's playing out. We don't know what's going to happen. We've all known we've needed to change the funding models, but I think we should all now agree that it's just slapping us in the face. So really, I, I think it's just we have to go back to to grassroots and really find a way to solidify uh, funding for not just the large destinations, but also the, the smaller communities. You know, you make an interesting point, and, and I think also a startling one, that um, economic development units will begin to uh, make their play for folding DMOs under their umbrella. You know, I've always been of the mind that if you break it down to, as Simon Sinek does, why? This all comes down to marketing the community, right? You market the community to businesses, to investors, uh, to entrepreneurs. That's what economic mm-hmm. development does. We market to leisure visitors, convention planners, et cetera, sports uh, tournaments. Sure. But it all comes back to marketing. So the marketing umbrella, if there's an umbrella to be had, it ought to be the DMO Yes. with economic development as one of its divisions, yes. with convention sales as one of its divisions, as sports as a division, as leisure as a division, that economic development really should be in our umbrella. I agree. Because at the end of the day, and this actually happened um, in an interesting way. At the South Shore Convention and Visitors Authority um, over in northwestern Indiana, the economic development guys went to the DMO and said, hey, we have this great idea 
for a campaign, would you run it for us? Because you're the marketing pros. You know, we're good at site selection and making the deal, but you're the marketers. Could you do the marketing? And that's really where move to Indiana.com came from, mm. was a residential relocation campaign run by the DMO. And it, for those who are interested, we actually did um, a, an episode of DMOU with Spiro Batistados from South Shore CVA about this campaign. And you can find it in the library. But I mean, it really underscored, I think, what we're saying. And that is the marketing is the key component. Our funding mechanism may not be as strong as we'd like to be at this moment in time. And, you know, shame on us. But economic development should be part of us rather than the other way around. And I, I think, unfortunately, you know, in this country, for whatever reason, economic development, is, nobody argues with that. But tourism, eh, you know, seems like a nice to have. And as you said earlier, yeah. that they are absolutely yeah. inseparable. That both of them rely on each other. Yes. Well, Megan, thank you so much for uh, kind of giving us your view on, on how crisis communications must change in this new era. So uh, let's get to that bonus round question. And I love the question that you've suggested because you know, I came into this industry having been, I wouldn't say a critic, but uh, those who know me know that I used to be the morning guy on an FM rock radio station. And when our community started its DMO, I was unmerciful. I, I, I made fun of the people who were doing it. I said, oh, come on, there is no tourism here. I mean, it was a small suburban Chicago community that, you know, you wouldn't think was a tourism town. Well, I became its, its DMO executive director within the year and on the job learned, oh my, this is way bigger than I thought oh my gosh, we have a thousand hotel rooms and people are staying here. And it's not just for business. It's it's for all kinds of stuff. So anyway, uh -huh. so here's the bonus round question for you. How and when did you realize that this industry is more than just convincing travelers to visit a specific destination? It was in 2007. And I honestly remember it like it was yesterday. At the time I was working with the CCTV, which is now Choose Chicago. Right. And C yep. CCTV was only focused on um, marketing Chicago as a business travel destination. We were not in leisure tourism marketing at the time. The city of Chicago was doing that. And Hurricane Katrina temporarily shuttered New Orleans and therefore its convention businesses. Three of those conventions that were scheduled for New Orleans relocated to Chicago. Now, we did not poach this business. They just, we just didn't think that was the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. Because they relocated to Chicago, we, the CCTV, reached out to the Chicago hotel community with an idea. And within the first 24 hours, more than 50 of our hotel partners were on board. We wanted to get back to our colleagues in New Orleans. And so we worked with the Chicago hotels on a rebate of $10 for every hotel room that was booked as a result of the relocated business. So these three conventions were the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, the Society of Thoracic Surgeons, and the National School Boards Association. So all told with the, the rebate program, the program generated $900,000. We donated half to the local Habitat wow. for Humanity with the request that the funds be provided for construction of six homes for families of the hospitality industry workers displaced by the storm. 
to which they agreed. The remaining half was donated to the University of New Orleans um, to fund 48 four-year scholarships in their hospitality program. The famed chef Emeril Lagasse uh, kindly hosted us to mark the donation to the university in one of his um, restaurants. There was a small delegation from Chicago, which I was included, that went down to do the check presentations. And I think what it really comes down to is that this industry overall not only supports its own communities in good times and bad, but it's the industry as a whole that comes together when tragedy strikes and we lift one another up and competition goes by the wayside and it's all about compassion and taking care of people and their families. What a great story. I, I had not heard that. That's yeah. It gives us all hope and it, it and that you're right. That is exactly who we are. And, uh, and then that's, that's why I find it fascinating. There was a, a piece that came out uh, yesterday, some, uh, economic professor at some school is saying that destination marketing organizations and economic development councils, this should be the, uh, uh, the time that we uh, essentially dismantle them because they provide no value. And it's like, uh, uh, how in the world can anybody see what, what has, what has <laughs> transpired in the DMO world with this pivot yeah. that we have done? I mean, it, it isn't the city that's coming to the aid yeah. of restaurants and small business owners. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the state and it's definitely not the federal government, despite the bailout money. It, the DMO is in first. Sure. Within 24 hours, DMOs across this country and around the world pivoted sure. to a completely different line of attack. And that was support our own people. And for anybody to say that that hasn't been game-changing and life-changing for some, is is to be blind yeah yeah all right well megan thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule for this podcast uh, i'm sure this is a busy time for you as it is for all of us and for those listeners who are wishing to learn more about what and how you do what you do how can they find out more uh they can find me at r4comstrategies.com okay all right. Well, thanks again. And that is it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers that this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Longwoods International, the producers of groundbreaking research, thought-leading insights, and excellent counsel and services to DMOs in areas such as visitor research, advertising effectiveness, image research, and their new resident sentiment study. You can learn more about them at longwoods-intl.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services to the DMO sector, links to the Z News, videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet. That is DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.